Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue on through Leviticus in chapter 5. And in chapter 5, it explains what sins require the sin offering uh, in verse 1. If you are called to testify about something and you that you have seen or that you know about, it is sinful to refuse to testify and you will be punished for your sin. Or suppose you unknowingly touch something that is ceremonially unclean, such as the carcass of an unclean animal. When you realize what you have done, you must admit your defilement and your guilt. This is true whether it is a wild animal, a domestic animal, or an animal that scurries along the ground. Or suppose you unknowingly touch something that makes a person unclean. Then When you realize what you have done, you must admit your guilt. Or suppose you make a foolish vow of any kind, whether its purpose is for good or bad. When you realize its foolishness, you must admit your guilt. When you become aware of your guilt in any of these ways, you must confess your sin. Then you must bring to the Lord, as a penalty for your sin, a female from the flock, either a sheep or a goat, This is a sin offering with which the priest will purify you from your sin, making you right with the Lord. But if you cannot afford to bring a sheep, you may bring to the Lord two turtle doves or two young pigeons as a penalty for your sin. One of the birds will be for the sin offering, and the other bird will be for the burnt offering. You must bring them to the priest, who will present the first bird as the sin offering. When he, he will wring its neck, but without severing its head from the body. Then he will sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering against the sides of the altar, and rest, the rest of the blood will be drained out at the base of the altar. This is an offering for sin. The priest will then prepare the second bird as a burnt offering, following all the procedures that have been prescribed through this process. The priest will purify you from your sin making you right with the Lord, and you will be forgiven. If you cannot afford to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, you may bring two quarts of choice flour for your sin offering. Since it is an offering for sin, you must not moisten it with olive oil or put any frankincense on it. Take the flour to the priest, who will scoop out a handful as a representative portion. He will burn it on the altar on top of the special gifts presented to the Lord. It is an offering for sin, and through this process the priest will purify those who are guilty of any of these sins, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. The rest of the flour will belong to the priest, just as with the grain offering. So sin pollutes and contaminates, and with these sin offerings, he makes it possible so that no one has an excuse God made it easy to come to him with an offering and a sacrifice. If you couldn't afford to bring one of your sheep or a flock, you could bring flour. Like he, he gave lots of options so that anyone who sinned has the option to be purified and, and redeemed from that sin. And just like when God sent Jesus for us as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, and we no longer have to to do any of these other sacrifices, because Jesus completed it all. He made it easy to come to Jesus. All we have to do is confess our sins, repent, and accept Jesus as our Savior. And it does say to confess our sins, because when we confess it, it says, when you become aware of your sin and guilt, you must confess your sin. Confessing sin makes you less likely to repeat that sin. In in verse 14, it continues. So verse 14 shifts, and it, it 
gives us a behind the scenes. This is the procedures that the priests do behind the curtains. So we get to kind of peek behind the curtains. And first we see the procedures for the guild's offering. And it deals with with three different relationship statuses. It deals between with the relationship between man and God, with the relationship within ourselves, and with the relationships with us between others. And the value of sin is shown in this next section. In verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, If one of you commits a sin by unintentionally defiling the Lord's sacred property, you must bring a guilt offering to the Lord. The offering must be your own ram with no defects, or you may buy one of equal value with silver as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. You must make restitution for the sacred property that you have harmed by paying for the loss, plus an additional 20%. When you give the payment to the priest, he will purify you with the ram, sacrificed as a guilt offering, making you right with the Lord, and you will be forgiven. Suppose you sin by violating one of the Lord's commands. Even if you are unaware of what you have done, you are guilty and will be punished for your sin. For a guilt offering, you must bring the priest your own ram with no defects, or you may buy one of equal value. Through this process, the priest will purify you from your unintentional sin, making you right with the Lord, and you will be forgiven. This is a guilt offering, for you have been guilty of an offense against the Lord. In chapter 6, it continues with the sins that make a guilt offering um, required, and this guilt offering, it, it, effect, it deals with both the effects of the sinner as well as the person that was sinned against. And again, it shows the cost and the value and the price of sin in the extra 20%. And the guilt offering is when you, it deals with between us and God, like when we defile God's property or we violate one of the God's commands. When we violate one of God's commands, we violate the God's commands are to love God and love others. So it affects our relationship with God as well as our relationship with others around us. So let's go on to chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Suppose one of you sins against your associate and is unfaithful to the Lord. Suppose you cheat in a deal involving a security deposit, deposit or you steal or commit fraud, or you find lost property and lie about it, or you lie while swearing to tell the truth or you commit any other such sin. If you have sinned in any of these ways, you are guilty. You must give back whatever you stole, or the money you took by extortion, or the security deposit, or the lost property you found, or anything obtained by swearing falsely. You must make restitution by paying the full price plus an additional 20% to the person that you have harmed. On the same day, you must present a guilt offering. As a guilt offering to the Lord, you must bring the priest your own ram with no defects, or you may buy one of equal value. Through this process, the priest will purify you before the Lord, making you right with him, and you will be forgiven for any of the sins you have committed. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar, until the next morning, and the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night long. In the morning, after the priest on duty has put his official linen clothing and linen undergarments on, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them inside the altar. 
Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside to the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. So now we're moving into the directions for the priests. And when we're talking about the guilt offering and being forgiven, um, just keep in mind, forgiveness is not free. Jesus paid the cost of these sacrifices ultimately once and for all. So we no longer have to do these sacrifices because Jesus was the final sacrifice and he paid a high cost for us on the altar. And now we're going into the detailed instructions of what's going on behind the curtain on the the priests. We see, we get instructions on what they're doing behind the curtain that we can't see in the, the biggest thing that is, is set out and um, enunciated through these these verses is the holiness. There's a, a difference in the set-apartness to the tabernacle, and it, it remains holy. In verse 14, these are the instructions regarding the grain offering. Aaron's sons must present this offering to the Lord in front of the altar. The priest on duty will take the grain offering at a handful of the choice flour moistened with the olive oil together with all the frankincense. He will burn this representative portion on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Aaron and his sons may eat the rest of the flour, but it must be baked without yeast and eaten in a sacred place within the courtyard of the tabernacle. Remember, it must never be prepared with yeast. I have given it to the priests as their share of the special gifts presented to me. Like the sin offering and the guilt offering, it is most holy. Any of Aaron's male descendants may eat from the special gifts presented to the Lord. This is a permanent right from generation to generation. Anyone or anything that touches these offerings will become holy. So here here we see that holiness can be transferred. It is transferable and can flow from one person to the next. In verse 19, Then the Lord said to Moses, On the day Aaron and his sons are anointed, they must present to the Lord the standard grain offering of two quarts of choice flour, half to be offered in the morning and half to be offered in the evening. It must be carefully mixed with olive oil and cooked on a griddle. Then slice this grain offering and present it as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. In each generation, the high priest who succeeds Aaron must prepare the same offering. It belongs to the Lord and must be burned up completely. This is a permanent law. All such grain offerings of the priest must be burned up entirely. None of it may be eaten. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the sin offering. The animal given as an offering for sin is a most holy offering, and it must be slaughtered in the Lord's presence at the place where the burnt offerings are slaughtered. The priest who offers the sacrifices as a sin offering must eat his portion in a sacred place within the courtyard of the tabernacle. Anyone or anything that touches the sacrificial meat will become holy. If any of the sacrificial blood splatters on a person's clothing, the soiled garments must be washed in a sacred place. If a clay pot is used to boil the sacrificial meat, it must be broken. If a bronze pot is used, it must be scoured and thoroughly rinsed with water. Any male from the priest's family may eat of this offering. It is most holy. 
But the offering for sin may not be eaten if his blood was brought into the tabernacle as an offering for purification in the holy place. It must be completely burned with fire. So just like sin can affect people around us and be transferred to people and the effects of sin affect those around us, holiness can also affect people around us. God's light can shine through us and affect people around us. And the holiness of the inner tabernacle is really reflected through these scriptures. And Jesus is constantly and always interceding for us. Just like the priest went in to intercede and and prepare these offerings, Jesus goes to God for us and is constantly praying for us and interceding for us. He's our mediator. He's he's our savior. And when he died on the cross, we no longer have to be offering these sacrifices or doing these rituals. It's not based on our works anymore. It's based on our heart and our love of God and Jesus being present in our lives. So that concludes chapter five and six, and we'll carry on tomorrow. I hope you all are having a most wonderful day.